This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views expressed by guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information discussed by guests on this program are those of the guests and is only for informational purposes and should not replace medical advice by your local veterinarian professional. Hi, this is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, thinking about grooming your pets at home and rescuing pets through the skies. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started. Hey, do you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's national award-winning author and animal advocate, Susan Marie. Hi, welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Contact us at thedoggydiva.com. That's the D-O-G-G-Y-D-I-V-A.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. I'm here with Monica Layton, owner of Professional Pet Sitting, and she's here with our Pet Tip of the Week. One of the things that I miss the most and I wish I understood a little bit more about was grooming for my pets. So, so not only my hair and my nails, but my dog's hair and nails. So could you share some home grooming tips so that our listeners can, can certainly benefit? So grooming is a lot more than simply having a pretty dog. There's a lot of health things that go into grooming. So you want to make sure as their hair gets longer that you are spending more time brushing and keeping that hair clean because the last thing you want is like the pets getting mats and things that have to be shaved off. 
Um, and the problem is, is that it's not necessarily the mats because you're going to mess up the haircut, but when that hair starts getting really tight and those mats start growing close to the skin, they can actually pull out and they'll, they'll tear and you can get skin infections. The skin can't breathe underneath there. So it can become a serious skin infection issue when you have too many mats and overgrowth of the hair. Mm. Another thing to be cautious of is the eyes. Um, the eyes and those dogs that have the long beards and mouths. Be cautious, of course, when you're trimming at home. If you have somebody to help you kind of hold the dog, because you don't want a dog looking the other direction real fast and having our little cuts go on. Um, so you want to be really cautious, especially when you're doing anything in the face. Um, but you have these dogs that when the hair starts growing out, the eyes like our Yorkies, for example, my little Daisy, they shave the bridge of the nose in between the eyes. So when that starts growing out, the hairs are literally going right into their eyes and that could cause an irritation. You get a scratching onto the eyes. They're rubbing them all the time. Um, so definitely, you know, just take Taking a scissor and just kind of, you don't have to go all the way down like they do with the groomers, but just cut a little bit back so it's not scratching their eyes or getting into their eyes. We talked about a couple of weeks ago with the ears and things like that as far as water. But if we're bathing at home, we always want to make sure that we put something into the ears after their bath um, to make sure they're not getting any ear infections. Um, just an over-the-counter ear drying solution. But if you do not have that, um, one thing that you can do at home is you can make your own. So you can use um, white vinegar and alcohol and a 50-50 mix. So half and half. Put it into a little bottle and just squirt some into the ear and let them shake it out. And that will dry up the ears so they do not get those ear infections after they get water in the ears. The another thing that's really important with the ears as far as at-home grooming is some of our smaller breeds especially. Um, I have this really bad with my little toy poodle. They get a lot of hair growth inside the ear. And the groomers will pull that hair out of the ears during the grooming appointments. And it's not hard to do. You can literally do it with your fingers and just reach in there with your fingers and try to pluck some of that um, hair out. But what happens is if that ear hair gets too thick inside the ear canal, the ear will literally not be able to breathe essentially. And it becomes a, a harbor for overgrowth of wax and bacteria and things to get in there, and then you get a bad ear infection because the wax can't escape out of the ears like it would normally. Normally, it will kind of go down to the edge of the ear, and then you can wipe it away. But with the hair clogging up the whole outside of the uh, ear, the wax has no place to go. So it's literally being stuck in the ear canal, and it's sitting there, and it's breeding bacteria. So definitely, you know, watch that excess hair inside the ear canals. Nails are another thing. And nails are... Some people and some pets just do not like having their nails done and the people don't like fighting their pets to do it. So if you do have a dog that will let them let you clip their nails, definitely do that. A lot of them, you can see um, if they have white tips at the end, you can see where to go to as far as clipping. But those pets that have the solid black nails, it's a little harder to tell where you can clip that 
nail at before it will bleed. So what I always tell people that have the, the pets with the black nails that you can't see, if you look at the bottom of the nail where it's thicker, usually that's where the quick runs. And usually you can see almost a little line at the bottom part of the nail. Um, and if you look at it from the side of the nail, usually it's thicker and then it will go thinner. And some of them almost end up with like a little scoopy thing at the end. And if you just clip where the scoop is, where the thinner part of the nail is, usually you should be okay. Um, the thicker part is where, you know, the quick is and it'll, you worry about bleeding. So always try to have, if you are going to clip nails at home, trying to have some of the quick stop. You can get that at most pet stores. You can order it online at Amazon um, and have it shipped right to the house or even like a septic powder um, or stick, you know, maybe um, your spouse or, you know, whatever gentleman you have in the house may have some on hand for shaving. Um, but if you follow those quick tips, being cautious of the nails because you do not want things to overgrow and burrow into the pad. So you always want to make sure that you're just watching to make sure they're not getting too long. Um, in our older dogs, it can also affect the way they walk when the nails get too long. Um, it's a lot of extra pressure on the pads of their feet. Um, so those basic things, you know, keeping up with the ears, the eyes, um, definitely cleaning around the, uh, the rear <laughs> area to make sure that they're not getting a lot of poopy debris or anything, you know, catching in the fur um, that can become kind of un unsanitary. Um, those are the main things. If the hair gets long, it gets long. Just make sure that you're watching for mess that can cause a skin infection. But just doing those things at home before you can get into your groomer will help keep your pet healthy and kind of conserve the the, the grooming uh, the best you can on when it's stuck being done at home. And thank you very much as usual. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. We'll be back in just a moment. Hello, everyone. Susan Maria Miss Olive here to announce the release of the second book in the Doggy Diva Diary series, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Friends, a story about Miss Olive's encounters with bullying at a dog park and how she learns a life lesson. Please check out the original award-winning book, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home, which is a story about adoption and rescue. Both books are available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And please visit TheDoggyDiva.com for more information. Thank you, everyone. Coming up, rescuing at-risk animals through the air. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Michelle Fern here. I want to tell you about Carlson Pet Products. They are a family-owned, budget-conscious company specializing in creating pet safety products to keep your pet happily protected from the puppy stage through the senior years. Carlson offers a variety of products such as pet pens, folded elevated beds, crates, and pet gates. Their portable pet pens are lightweight and foldable and have a carry bag for storage when you're on the go. I love traveling with my portable pet pen from Carlson. It's made traveling with Nikki so much easier. I've used my portable pet pen at home, again, traveling, or even when I'm doing a short road trip. They're also ideal to use at home, traveling, or simply headed to the park down the street. The portable pet pens come in two sizes, six panel or eight panel, and they give your pet ample room to move around. Plus, you can add an attachable canopy to create a shaded outdoor oasis for your pet. Visit CarlsonPetProducts.com to get 25% off your order, plus free shipping using the promo code PETLIFE. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet <laughs> 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Pilots to the Rescue is a nonprofit, volunteer-driven, 501c3 public benefit aviation organization that transports at-risk animals from shelters in the southeast to loving homes in the northeast. The founder of this amazing and much-needed organization is with us today to tell us all about it. Welcome, Michael Schneider. How are you? Welcome to the Doggy Diva Show. Thanks for having me today. Oh, it's our pleasure. And what you're doing is so needed in the uh, rescue community. Having been in rescue for about 25 years, I know the importance of transport. So what you're doing, I thank you on behalf of the rescues. Oh, my pleasure. It doesn't feel like work at all. That's what's good about it because you're doing what you love. So, and it comes out. On that note, can you tell the listeners a little about yourself, about how you got into Pilot, why you discovered this? You're the founder. So, what, why you founded it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I started Pilots to the Rescue back in 2015. And I wanted to combine my love of aviation and helping animals. And of course, most private pilots or general aviation, if anybody listening knows a, a private pilot, we're always looking for excuses to fly. And after a while, it, you know, flying to your local restaurant or doing a, a, a tour of, a, you know, the local sites, it, you, you just kind of get a little bored. You're looking for reasons to fly. So I did a couple rescue flights with other organizations, with, with animals and, and children and discovery flights. And, I, and it just kind of clicked in my head. I wanted to give back and, and form Pilots to Rescue, the organization. So uh, since 2015, we have rescued uh, close to 1,000 animals. Wow. So we're on, pace, we're on pace this year, though, to rescue more animals than we have the whole history of the organization. Wow. And there's that, that I have to thank to the pandemic. That was one of the real silver linings last year of uh, COVID is I put way more effort into this organization than I did before. Because my other business in corporate event planning, as you can imagine, just hit the toilet. Yeah. And you know what, Michael? Uh, for on that, the pandemic, it is like it changed everything. I mean, I know that there are a lot of unfortunate things that happened, but it actually changed the entire world of rescue because, I mean, there were some shelters that actually had no pets left. So I'm sure you had part of that, that you were moving these animals around because that's how, how it was happening there. The dogs from shelter to shelter and cats because they were running out of them. That's right. Everybody wanted who was quarantined at home wanted a furry friend. And if you remember, there were all those funny stories about why your pet is acting weird uh, because the people that already had pets and they're home all the time, it, it froze them for a loop. But you're absolutely right here in the Northeast. I'm, I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, and we fly out of Essex County, New Jersey. We own and operate one plane um, here in the Northeast. There's a insatiable de demand for, for adopting animals. And we, we get it up here in the Northeast in terms of, you know, uh, adopting rescues versus, versus purchasing pets or puppy mills or whatnot. It's really changing up here. And typically where we go is the Carolinas. That's a good range for our plane. And we're making trips all the time to North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. Those areas don't do as well with um, spaying and neutering and, and dealing with overcrowded municipal shelters. So uh, to your point, up here in the Northeast, we were so busy last year uh, making trips almost weekly, sometimes twice a week to meet that demand. That's so awesome. Now, can you tell listeners a little bit about pilots to the rescue? And can you tell us about like other pilots or people who help you or work with you? Because this is such an amazing organization. 
Sure. Well, Pilots to Rescue, we do use volunteer pilots. I'm a volunteer pilot myself. Uh, I'm a private pilot and I pay for every single hour of flight, even though the charity owns and operates the plane. Um, I am getting my commercial license, so that will change a bit because I'm spending so much money doing these flights, but I'm happy to contribute and do it. And that's the bulk of the volunteer pilots, by the way. They're all contributing uh, because of the, the FAA rules and regulations surrounding uh, transport. You know, you can't just transport people or um, animals for pay. So they have to come out of their own pocket and they're real heroes when they do that. Uh, but that's what we're doing. We're using volunteer pilots. They're either renting uh, their plane or they own the plane and then they're offering to do a transport for an animal. We have a larger plane, so we, we make that plane work really hard and we're constantly doing flights, but we do work, we do work with other pilots across the country to accomplish uh, um, rescues that are in other areas of the country or even relays because sometimes these distances are so long you need to incorporate another pilot. Um, but I, I do want to give a shout out to the ground transport because those are the real, real heroes and everybody asks how they can get involved if, and the non-pilots ask how they can get involved. If you have access to a vehicle and you can drive, that is really making the big impact um, on a day in, day out basis. These volunteers are driving their hearts out and you know we for example we've done some rescues with Bissell Pet Foundation and they work with a group out of um, in Louisiana we've now done two rescues these ladies they've driven 48 hours round trip to meet us in Knoxville Tennessee wow. um, yeah because we try to keep the flights to six hours round trip but think about that they drove 48 hours with these animals to meet us that's the dedication so we become a major lifeline for the ground transport. That's one of the functions that we provide is alleviating these drives that are happening in such extreme distances. Also, ground transport, a lot of these uh, shelters are paying for ground transport between 90 and $130 a crate. So we also become a financial lifeline because we don't charge for what we do. And we so we alleviate the ground transport. We don't charge for what we do. So we're, you know, they're saving that money. And then the other benefit to aviation as a resource for rescue is any animal that cannot endure that type of drive would be better placed on an aircraft. For example, could be puppies, could be kittens, sick animals, uh, you know, disabled animals, senior animals. You, you can imagine you can't drive 24 hours with some of these animals. They just wouldn't make it or it'd be too much stress. You know what I mean? And uh, we also do endangered species. We've done three red wolves, and red wolves are the most endangered canids in the whole world. Uh, red, there's only seven known red wolves captive in the wild that we know about. And where would the domesticated dog be without the red wolf, right? So we do those and sea turtles, you know, any kind of animal, really. I mean, and I've been involved in some of the relay, like as, as you were talking about the ground transportation, like you take it from Tampa to Georgia, and then someone picks it up in Georgia, you work your way up the coast or wherever it is that you're going. So that's why when I saw what you that you, when you're doing it by plane, because there are some animals that just cannot take the stress of the length of that type of drive. So, and, uh, and I also think it's amazing that you are doing endangered species um, because that's something I don't think that people usually think of. Like, I think most people think of dogs, cats, puppies, kittens, um, they don't think of endangered species. That's really interesting and it's very needed. I don't think that people even recognize that. And and speaking of that, so if you are a rescue and if you are looking for a transport and how do people get involved or how do people contact you or, or what is the process? 
Yes. And this is a great time to get involved in our organization because we're about to launch a rescue board. Uh, right now, when you go to the website, you can register a, a rescue request, and but it's going to get a lot easier in the next 30 days because we're just putting final, final touches on our transport board. The transport board is meant to be more self-service, but we're going to get involved with transport coordinators um, to make sure that, that the, the rescues have a high level of success. So to answer your question, you go to our website, pilotstotherescue.org. It's all spelled out, pilots, T-O-T-H-E, rescue.org. And you register. You can register as a shelter that's looking to get animals out. You can register as a shelter that wants animals in. You can rescue as a pilot. You can rescue as uh, you can register as a um, mission assistant. Um, we even have an influencer opportunity. We've been using a lot of influencers lately. So you can re- register as an influencer and experience uh, what it's like to rescue these animals. It's all done through the website. Are there any like requirements or guidelines? Yeah, I mean, certainly we recommend that all, all the animals be created. Um, that's that's the most important thing. And we would highly recommend that if it, you know, the pilot brings a mission assistant, it doesn't have to be another pilot, but, but a, a friend because things do happen and you don't want to be worried about flying the plane and the animals. And then for the, sh- the shelters, I think the most important thing is just to try to maximize the cabin space and the number of animals that are being rescued. It's a giant game of Tetris. So, um, and then the animal has to be facing euthanasia. We don't transport pets. We get, as you can imagine last year, that's been a, difficult differentiation for a lot of people. We're a non-profit. We run off donations. We serve animals that are at risk. Do you deal mostly with the high kill shelters? Yes. Yes. So overcrowded shelters that are trying to, you know, get the animals out. They have limited amount of space. So there are some emergency situations. We don't do really well with like, you know, 24 hours of the animals going to be euthanized. We generally do better when we have some time to work with. And we don't transport single animals either. I mean, I imagine some of that stuff's going to happen when we launch this transport board. And that's why there's a self-service in nature. Because some pilots don't want to transport a full load. They don't want to take out their rear seats. They don't want to max it with crates. Sometimes they want to just transport one or two animals. And that's fine. But those are typically the rescues we wouldn't get too much involved in. Uh, But the most important thing is that the animals facing euthanasia, we don't transport people's pets. And as I was saying last year during the pandemic, nobody was getting on air. Air, airplane and the restrictions of airplanes, as you know, have changed dramatically mm-hmm. in the last few years about transporting animals. So we got everybody contacting us. Can you fly my Shih Tzu from California to New York? You know. Yeah. Um, so and a lot of these planes are really small. I mean, they they would nobody would in the right mind would do that kind of trip in a single engine prop plane. You know. So, um, but uh, yeah. Hopefully that answers your no, question. I, no, it did. And because I think that there are so many uh, high kill shelters that do want to move. And because sometimes, and, and I'll explain this for the listeners, if you have, let's just say a dog that's been there for an, uh, quite a while and he's going to be euthanized, he may, someone in New Jersey, maybe someone in Georgia is not, but someone in New Jersey may, it may be that there's a call for a specific, a German Shepherd or, you know, Adobe or whatever. I'm just, I'm just making that up. But what you're doing is you're actually moving around where the needs are. Like sort of, it's, if it's sitting here, it may not be something that's recognized as being needed, but yet in another part of the country it is. So what you're doing is you're helping to free up space so that 
obviously that we don't want that animal euthanized and hopefully it'll have a better chance to be uh, adopted. And you work with uh, an, a rescue organization, don't you? We work with many rescue organizations. So we, we work with uh, Bissell Pet Foundation, um, Best Friends. We're getting ready to do some stuff with North Shore Animal League, um, which is based in, in New York. I used to live right near there, yep. Right, by, by the we. Um, and then we also work with a lot of smaller rescue organizations, the Animal Refuge League of Portland, Maine, you know, a new chance animal rescue out in Westchester County, New York. So, you know, we work with all these organizations. But, you know, as far as scaling the organization and going forward, working with like a Bissell Pet Foundation or Best Friends is great because they don't actually run shelters themselves. They yes. work with part partner mm -hmm. shelters. So in terms of efficiencies, it's very it's great when you work with those organizations because they handle everything. They handle, oftentimes we're doing rescues from multiple organizations. So when we fly back to New Jersey, our home airport, it's not uncommon for several rescues within the tri-state area to come there and meet us because not every rescue group can take 20 animals at one time. Right. They might only be able to take two or three. So that really works out well. It's just so important what you're doing. I, I appreciate it so much. And, you know, and I know that you've been doing this since 2015 and you probably have a million stories. Is there any one story that maybe sticks out in your head or, or something that is means a lot to you that you'd want to share with the listeners about one of your transports? Yeah, I think all the, the animals that I remember the most are the ones that were really neglected, abused, or hurt. We had a uh, cat recently that was uh, pregnant and only had three legs. It got injured somehow and they had to amputate the leg. We had a dog that was um, inflicted by a gunshot wound. And the, the eye, they had to remove the dog's eye. I remember a, a dog that we had to, that we transport that had cerebral palsy and had, didn't have use of its hind legs. So I literally had to pick the dog up. It was like 80 pounds. Wow. So it's usually those neglected animals that were basically left for dead uh, and had no chance of survival that stick out in my mind the most because I know that I've, I made a difference in their life. I literally saved their lives because the people uh, on the receiving end, we're willing to foster or nurse this animal. And, and, and those are the ones that I want to adopt myself. Yeah. I wish I, I, I have a 90 pound rescue shepherd mix and I have four, four children, four boys, five and under. So it's hard for me to <laughs> take any more animals at this time, but believe me, those are the ones I, I wish I could take home. And then there's also, uh, situations in flight that I've had that are very, uh, memorable and probably scare a lot of people, even pilots that I've had, I've lost an alternator in flight. And basically oh. that mean, means you only have 30 minutes or less of battery power. The engine will still run, but you, you'll lose your communications. You lose your GPS, everything. I've had a, a brake give out on me, which is just like a car it basically goes to the ground and it's not effective at all. You only have one brake, you know, th those, those kind of things urgent situation. I've lost radios before, and then the, the air traffic control declares you what's called Nordo, um, which means you're basically on your own. Uh, so I've had all these kinds of situations. These, these planes that we fly are, are old, and stuff goes wrong with them all the time. And often it happens in flight. So, you, you know, you, you've, it tests you as a pilot in your decision making. I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, and thank goodness that you're passionate about what you do, because obviously you just go, your mind just goes into gear and you just know you got to get 
get them where they need to be and, and you're just going to do what, what has to be done because of that. Can you tell the listeners where they can go to learn about pilots to the rescue, about transports, or just looking to find out where you're going? I know there's some changes taking place within the organization that are really good. You're growing. Is there any place for people to go if they want to become involved, want to make donations? However we could help, we're here. Yeah, the best place to start is our website, pilotstotherescue.org. It's all spelled out, pilots, T-O-T-H-E, rescue.org. We have a very active Facebook group. We're on Instagram. Uh, there's, I also wanted to point out there's ways to donate for free. So um, if obviously Amazon Smile is a very popular program. Uh, we, we accept uh, physical donations. Uh, we have all kinds of wish lists on Chewy and whatnot. So if you're already purchasing items, it's just, as you know, you just select the charity you want it to benefit. Um, so, but yeah, it's all done through our website. We accept all kinds of donations, um, credit card, you can mail a check. And that we just recently, we accept cryptocurrency. That's a new thing. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and, and if you're an influencer, if you're a nano influencer and you're in the tri-state area, you know, you can come on a rescue with us. These are influencers usually that have a hundred thousand or less followers. That was a new program we started last year and it's worked out great. Uh, well, and you had one of my yeah. favorite American idol people. Um, oh, constant. Yeah. Yes. Now he's, he's yeah. a trip. He's funny. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. I, and he, he he didn't tell me that he was scared of flying in small plane and, <laughs> and scared of fights until on a, we're on our way back. So he did really well. <laughs> That's so great. Now, before we go, Michael, is there anything more that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would I would just want to challenge your listeners to roll up their sleeves and give back physically. It's very easy to write a check and it's much appreciated. Everybody needs money. But if it, the easiest thing to do if you want to give back and help is um, volunteer at your local shelter. They always need people to drive animals, to I know clean up crates. Nobody wants to do that, but um, you know, play with the animals. I I was uh, I think it was Sean Casey Animal Rescue out in Brooklyn. They had a program where volunteers could just take check an animal out and just take it on a walk. You know, because these these dogs they just basically sit in their their cage all the time, so they need exercise. So there are terrific programs at your local shelters, and uh, I would encourage people to actually put some time into giving back physically. That, that's what I wanted to, to leave people with. And we've been on the air for 18 years, and the theme of our show is rescue. Um, and you just sort of encapsulated so much in what you just said, because you can make a difference and pay it forward. You could do it financially, but volunteering, doing the transport work. They have these, as you said, the new programs, Doggy Day Out programs, where you could take these dogs out to just, there's so much that you could do to change an animal's life. What you're doing, I want to thank you so much, Michael, because what you're doing in founding Pilots to the Rescue, you're doing something that's so needed for rescues. I just, I thank you for that. And I want to thank you for the amazing work that you and everyone around you is doing. You're a big influence and you're a big changer in the rescue community. And also you're changing the lives of so many animals. So I just want to thank you. Uh, and as being part of the rescue community, I think that what you're doing is fabulous. So I thank you so very much. And thank you for being our guest and sharing all this wonderful information. Again, can you just give out your website for the listeners? I'm sure they're going to want to jump on and, and see what's going on. Yeah, www.pilotstotherescue.org, all spelled out. 
Thank you and, so very uh, much. You're welcome. This has this been great, and thank you, and thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. I know you're really busy, so thank you so very much. Sure thing. My Have, pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. As a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. After all, our dogs reward us with fun, laughs, love, and a ton of affection. Well, what better way to reward your dog's loving companionship with Rockwell's Pets Pro Natural Dog Vitamins? These vitamins help provide a powerful fusion of amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, digestive enzymes, aloe vera, and glucosamine, which helps support a healthy canine metabolism and promotes a strong immune system. Plus, they're 100% satisfaction guaranteed and produced in the United States. Help give your dog a healthy skin coat, healthy hips and joints, and immune support. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We would like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great diva week, everyone. That's all for this episode of the Doggy Diva Show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, the Doggy Diva Show, and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and the Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.